Welcome to the HR Chat Show, one of the world's most downloaded and shared podcasts designed for HR pros, talent execs, tech enthusiasts, and business leaders. For hundreds more episodes and what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com. Employee assistance programs, when done correctly, can help you support your employees' health and well-being. Hey, this is Bill Bannum, host of this episode of the HR Chat Show. And my guest this time is Dr. Jonas Eford, CEO over at Recharge Wellness, a company offering custom wellness programs for orgs across Canada. The firm provides an employee support service to enhance or replace an EFAP, on-site clinics, and wellness webinars. In late 2022, Jonas and his team made a major upgrade by launching a disruptive EAP, which he says it set out to fracture the stale reality of poor engagement with a wholly different approach to EAPs and mental health. Jonas and I, we've known each other for quite some time now, actually, listeners, uh, and he uh, he attended and exhibited at events that we produced in Toronto back in the day before the pandemic, and uh, it's been a while since we've had a good chit-chat. Jonas, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Thank you so much, Bill. It's a real pleasure to be here, I think, because I've always seen you at the heart of all the congregations and conferences that have happened over the last uh, 10 years or so in the HR communities that we around in. Uh, I've always been looking forward to the times we talk and it's seldom that I get the chance to have a, a scheduled uh, chat with you. So it's a, an honor and a privilege. Thanks for having me. Jonas, I already know what a lovely guy you are, but our listeners perhaps don't. So why don't we start there? Uh, why, why don't you take a minute or two and introduce yourself? Well, I could just say about myself, um, suppose a few simple things. I, I'm, I'm Canadian, but I grew up overseas in the South Pacific, um, in Papua New Guinea in the jungles. And and uh, since being back in, in Canada, I, I devoted myself in adulthood to, to healthcare. And after a short stint uh, working as a clinician, I, I had the opportunity to work with the WHO on a few projects um, overseas. And it was a real eye-opening experience, an opportunity for me to explore how else I could have an impact in this world that we live in. And I learned about myself that I really do want to have an impact broader um, than the impact I can have working with people one-on-one. I, I really do love that work, but but it was special to be working on healthcare policies that impact hundreds of thousands of people in, in one fell swoop. So that inspired me to think bigger and to grow. So I sold my clinics and um, in early 2012. And since then, I've been devoted to corporate wellness because that's the opportunity I really recognize to make an impact on our Canadian society, you know, leverage the fact that everybody uh, who has an employer here has the opportunity for their employer to, to support them really well. And uh, I think sometimes that's done well and sometimes there's opportunity to do a lot more of that. So threw myself in the game and, and here we are. In the fast changing new world of work, organizations that want to succeed must support their teams to develop the right skills for today and for the future. As practical learning experts, Halt EF Corporate Education helps organizations and employees of all levels to develop the critical business skills, attitudes and behaviors they need to be successful. We combine the expertise and agility of a boutique learning partner with the resources of a trusted, global organization. Learn more at HaltEF.com.
okay, before we get into the details of, of what you guys are doing at the moment and how it's helping, I'd, I'd like you to maybe give us a bit more of an overview and, and talk a bit about the context that we're currently living through. How, how much damage did the pandemic do to, to the ongoing health of, of employees in terms of mental health, in terms of things like weight gain, in terms of drug addiction? There's been big increases there. Um, just, give us an, just, just give us an idea of what the challenges are at the moment facing HR pros and leaders. I actually see it a little bit differently. It, it certainly did spur on some um, changes individually with lots of people and then collectively as groups. But um, I think what actually happened, if I think the big picture, is it unveiled an underlying problem, an underlying lack of resilience and ineffective support. And I think that that's what the pandemic so vigorously taught us is that we need to do better. And we have a lot of people who are struggling. And I think that ultimately has been a very helpful thing. As much suffering as it uh, caused, it's been helpful collectively to bring our attention to these important matters. The fact that five, 10 years ago, people weren't really doing that much for mental health as a, as a baseline. You know, companies were, were having kind of placations and and things there as arbitrary supports, but it wasn't a focal point of the conversation. And now it is. And that's exciting because now the you know, big, big percentages of our groups, our teams, our communities that struggle with a whole variety of issues, they now have this opportunity to share their story and to express their challenges and concerns. And we have the opportunity to do a better job in supporting them. Thanks for tuning in to the HR Chat Podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And now, back to the conversation. Okay, so part of what I heard there is it had to get pretty bad for people to recognize the importance of the issue, but the silver lining in that cloud is that people are moving on it now and they're respecting uh, the importance of supporting one's mental health and and, and other needs is, is that is that exactly. fair to say precisely so tell us now tell us about now about the the new employee assistance program uh that, that you guys have rolled out and why it's unique so for example i understand that your partner network of doctors and therapists are encouraged to reach out and onboard each other uh with in-depth one-on-one conversations T- tell us more you got it. That's that's the only thing I would highlight right off the bat because um, that's, for one, the only thing that really makes us unique. And two, most people listening to this would understand the basics of what an EAP does and is. We are the only Canadian EAP that does proactive work. And this was the reason why we even launched as an EAP was because this is meaningful. We have our team of doctors and therapists who onboard each user one-on-one through conversation, through connecting with them. And what ends up happening is the people have a very different experience. This is a, a proactive process where we explore all the person's desires, goals, challenges, and then we decide what to do rather than trying to guess or survey what people need and try to fit with some boxes and things, services that they can help themselves to. So, so that's, 
really what our EAP is set up to do is, is use proactive engagement, connect therapists and doctors with individuals and let the rest work itself out. How time intensive is that? What, what, what sort of time investment com comes into that? If, if you're talking about huge companies, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the HR processes that go behind supporting that kind of effort. Well, very, and that's actually why we exist. Um, if HR leaders had the opportunity to have in-depth one-on-one conversations, and, well, and the training to you know be sensitive to it from a healthcare perspective, uh, with their big teams, growing teams, then then this wouldn't be required. This wouldn't be valuable. This wouldn't be needed. So it really is something that takes a lot of time, but. The reason why we're able to sustain a business doing this, even though it's a big investment from our end up front with the time of our doctors and therapists, what ends up happening is the outcomes are significantly better. So instead of um, um, having a lower time investment up front and having uh, a slow burn, we put the time in up front to do a really good job triaging people to exactly what they need and, and helping them avoid what they don't need. And that ends up being worthwhile in the end because resources are distributed much more effic efficaciously. What about HR leaders themselves then? Uh, do, do they get enough support? I, they often know, but not for the same reason. I think they they more than anybody know what resources they have access to, obviously, because they curate them. But I think from all my years working with HR leaders, I've come to understand there's some collective characteristics that are quite common. Um, they're servant leaders. These are people who put the interests and needs of others in, in front of their own oftentimes. And that can be problematic, even though they know that they need to model behaviors, they need to show people that they're using and they can have conversations about their mental health. They're also very unlikely to do that. They suffer before they complain or they raise the flag. And so, yes, they have support, but they need a different type of support. I think maybe I'm getting a little too philosophical here, but I think HR leaders, they need support internally from themselves. They need permission from themselves and they need support from their team so that they know that they can be comfortable in having the balance that they need to be well and using the time and resources to keep them well that they need. So I think it's a bit different for the HR leaders themselves and for the, the general set of employees. Okay, you've got me. You've got me on a, on a road now that I want to continue driving down with you. Um, any any particular department? that um that you've seen from from your time of working with various different companies of course uh that that do jump on this stuff faster than others that that, that do uh insist upon um new ways to ensure that their health is as as good as it can be sales departments for example departments no you know honestly i can't say that there's any pattern outside of any one group and individual companies yes there'll be some you know very different cultural tendencies in these certain groups. But I think what, what patterns we've noticed is, is more to do maybe with generations. I think there's a lot of the um, younger generations, especially with the SaaS companies and tech companies that we work with, that they're very, um, they're very ready to engage in mental health conversations and, and work through the web of finding the right support. And I think that's been a very inspiring thing to see because that bodes very well for the for the future, frankly. 
And I think that's a that stigma that we've all experienced in our earlier careers and, and the culture uh, in general is now dissolved for the most part, at least in the bubbles uh, that we are exposed to. That's great for, for the Gen Zers and maybe some of the younger millennials. You mentioned the, the stigma, you used the word stigma. Do you, do you think maybe perhaps that still exists a little bit with older generations? Is that why uh, the use of mental health benefits is consistently lower in, in those groups? Yes, but that's the, that's the beauty of the work that we're doing now. Not only do all these HR teams that we're working with do an amazing job of talking about having conversations uh, on a regular basis in lots of different ways about mental health and that breaks down the, the pre-existing stigmas. Um, but we're also, as, as the resources that we have are, are much more accessible, much more friendly, and, and in our case, proactive. So we, we are seeing that, yeah, maybe there's remnants of that stigma, but really I don't think it's, it's preventing people from getting the support they need anymore in this context. Now then, as I mentioned earlier on, listeners, uh, I've had the honor of knowing Jonas for a fair few years now. And Jonas, you exhibited at an Innovate Work event held in Toronto back in 2019. Uh, there you did some tests on me uh, to discover mm -hmm. my physical health age. I, I'm not sure the, the exact term. I do apologize. Um, uh, I liked the results maybe you're trying to flatter me I, I don't know but i was i was happy enough with the results i was i was, I was pleased as punch really um but it's uh, it, it opened up my eyes and and it, it it made me realize gosh what if what if the results weren't great uh, at least i just had an opportunity um to, to do a bit of an mot a bit of a, a check uh, and it was it was all quick and easy and um, very helpful why should others take a, a pulse like that what, what, what can a quick health checkup put into perspective for, for other folks out there. Well, I'm, I'm glad you remember that. And I'm glad you bring that up because it, it does represent something very powerful and very significant and a, and a tool. And regardless of what specific kind of checkup it is, that what that represented was that was a, a wellness checkup. That was something that we're doing biometric testing to find out how your brain and body are functioning independent of symptoms and dysfunction. So you weren't having a problem. We, we, we got to check to see what's happening under the surface and see where you could optimize what opportunities you have to optimize your health and well-being and that's what got me excited about that particular thing that's why we do things like that is because when we have when we create an opportunity for people to to um, check in to figure out how they're feeling and whether they could be feeling better both biometrically and cognitively, that's a really powerful opportunity because then we start to know, okay, we get clarity on how to invest our efforts in improving our lives, improving how we feel, and that's preventative medicine. That's how we optimize our health. And that's what one thing we, we're really excited about in, in our company, the work we do, is that we get to optimize people's lives to prevent crises. We don't just wait till someone's in crisis and having some sort of a dysfunction, which if I can rewind a little bit to your previous question, that's that's also a big reason why people don't really use their their mental health supports and benefits as much as they they need to. It's like the the need is is much higher than the use. I think every HR person sees that um, because it's not always clear. We we don't know. Oh, wake up one day. Oh, I have burnout. No, I have anxiety. No, we we just feel things on on discomfort. 
exhaustion, fatigue. So for a lot of people, that's the support they need is to figure out what they're dealing with. They don't know that they have anxiety. They don't know that what they've experienced in the past might be affecting them today or their their sleep is, is poor because they're dealing with something you know, a little bit unclear. So that's that's part of it. And then also, once you do decide, okay, I want to improve how I feel, then navigating this wonderful healthcare network in, in our country is, is sometimes challenging. You know, mental health is the, the most um, well, sharp example of that because to find a therapist, for example, a psychotherapist, psychologist that you mesh well with is very uncommon. So you generally need to encounter several or at least get some good guidance on where to start, what type of therapist, what type of specialist. And that is often very discouraging because we don't even really know we need help. We only know if something's a little off, but then it takes all this time to go book with these different people. And I didn't like that conversation with the first one. That's a very common thing that we hear. People stop working on their mental health because, oh, I tried a therapist that didn't really work for me. And, and that's, that's awful. That's awful that that should be the end of the journey. So, so I think that's, that's another element of supporting people that needs to be in place generally in, in the corporate wellness world. Once in a while an event series is born that shakes things up, it makes you think differently, and it leaves you inspired. That event is Disrupt HR. The format is 14 speakers, 5 minutes each, and slides rotate every 15 seconds. If you're an HR professional, a CEO, a technologist, or a community leader and you've got something to say about talent, culture, or technology, Disrupt is the place. It's coming soon to a city near you. Learn more at disrupthr.co. Picking up on what you mentioned there a moment ago, uh, that, that's huge. If, if you can help prevent that, that, that issue when, when someone's feeling um, depressed, down, vulnerable, insecure, uh, and they, they try and seek mental help, but uh, it, it, there are barriers or it doesn't work out with those first couple of conversations and, and they would otherwise give up because they are feeling low, they are feeling more insecure. That's a, that's a huge, that's, that's a huge thing. So uh, kudos to you guys. Uh, we are coming towards the end of this interview already, Jonas. Two more questions for you before we wrap up. Uh, the next one, kind of in summary, I guess, but let's spell it out for, for our listeners, uh, but kind of in summary of what we have said so far. Jonas, the question is, does the EAP industry need disrupting? And if so, why? I love this question. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely, it does. However, I don't, I don't think the EAP industry is broken per se. I don't, I don't think it's broken. It's just there's a massive opportunity to do so much more, and that's why it needs disrupting. That's what we're set out to do. This massive opportunity is these big swaths of our teams, these big percentages, 32 to 41% of groups by statistical averages are struggling with mental health challenges. And eight to 11% is the average engagement in the EAPs. And it tapers down very quickly once people use it. And that's for these reasons we've already discussed. And so there's the opportunity. You have 20, 30% of your workforce that is going through something and not helping themselves to any support for these complex social reasons. That's our opportunity. And when we can engage them with professionals in conversations that 
reveal the way to help those people to elevate their employee experience and their life, frankly, then that is worth disrupting the EAP industry for. So that's what we're out to do. And we've, we've proven that it works, which is what's so exciting about what we're doing. And uh, so I think there'll always be a place for traditional EAPs, big companies with tens of thousands of employees, industries, accounting, banking, the, the sort of more stagnant industries, they're, they're, that, that fits. That fits with what works there. Um, but for the younger, hungry companies, the fast-growing SaaS companies with two, three hundred people that really value their talent, their 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 talent uh, is is a very competitive space, and they need to worry about retention and invest in their people. This is a great opportunity, and that's why I think it's worthwhile for us to invest in making this disruption. Rock and roll, and just finally for today, Jonas, how can our listeners learn more about you? Uh, so maybe you might want to share your email, LinkedIn. I bet you're a super cool young dad and you're all over TikTok. And of course, <laughs> how, how can they learn more about all the cool things happening over at Recharge Wellness? Well, I think I'd have to invite people to a good conversation. I just love talking about this stuff. And so I've had so many great conversations with HR leaders around the country and many that we don't work with. It's just I'm part of this community and there's lots of innovations happening in the space, and I love problem solving. So, so I welcome anybody who wants to find me on LinkedIn to to reach out just to have a conversation about where they're at, what they're dealing with, and if nothing else comes out of it but a bit of shared advice, then I'd be delighted. And uh, if people want to find us, uh, our company RechargeEAP.ca is our domain, and so we can get in touch there as well. And uh, sadly, I'm not on TikTok, but uh, I'll leave that one for you, Bill. I'm sure <laughs> you can represent the young, I'm, cool dad. No, I'm not cool enough. TikTok. Not cool enough, Jonas. <laughs> it's, it's, that, that's a social platform beyond me. Um, okay, well, that just leaves me to say for today. Jonas, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for being my guest on this episode. Thank you so much for this opportunity to have this great conversation. I appreciate it. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to the HR Chat Show. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and listen to some of the hundreds of episodes published by HR Gazette. And remember, for what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com.